Hey guys, um, kind of need to sort of clear things up before we get started with this episode. So as many of you know, Liz and I and Young Chomsky are out South by Southwest and an incident occurred, which I feel like we need to um, kind of grapple with before we really like continue on this venture and build and grow with you guys. Listen, look, I don't want to be doing this. Brace doesn't no, want to be doing this. Young Chomsky... He well, he doesn't he, really he need does, to. Yeah, he's, he's not really doing much yeah. here. But I think, look, I was the last, the last person to think that we would be here saying this to you guys. But we really care about transparency, so and we much. really, really care about accountability. Oh God! And <laughs> sorry. No, but seriously, Brace, let's yeah. take it seriously because yeah, yeah. I don't want to retake this. Okay. Um. You know, we should be upfront with everyone. I hooked up with one of the robot dogs. <laughs> what? Yeah, I did. And like, I know like there's That's been like- That's where you went with th- that? I was setting vi- you up and I was like, this man's going to hit a dunk and you went robot dog sex. I hooked up. I didn't, whoa. Okay. I didn't have sex with the robot dog. I hooked up with it. Sexually. Hey, y'all, what's up? We are just kidding. We're, we didn't do anything Oh, my God. Can weird. you imagine? First of all, South by Southwest would burn our application. Mm. They'd say, no thanks. Where, there's podcasts there. What are they doing there? I don't know. Fucking talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's Well, that's... I would hope hey, so. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. Answered. What do you think about those robot dogs? They're freaky looking, huh? Uh, you know my thing on this, and <laughs> listeners of the show should know this. I have started killing real dogs so that when robot dogs do become a member of the police force and I'm forced to fight back against them in a Terminator, like one of the later Terminator movie mm. kind of scenarios, I will have no hesitation in pulling the trigger. Oh, I thought you were going to say you could dress up as one large dog in the skins Why of the dogs ki- that you oh, kill. That's, that's, see, this, look at, that's weird that you thought that. <laughs> Yeah, kind of um, went to some weird kind of. I don't like robots of any kind. Situation, uh, but no, we we Caperni, the like French label. They had those. Um, what is it called? What is? Uh, I have no. What idea. are the robot dog company called? Boston Dynamics. Yeah, they had those Boston Dynamic ones on the runway. So like Bella Hadid's like walking out like, and then they had the robot Dynamics dogs out there, and it's like, yeah, we get it. Oh my god, it's crazy. Oh my god, the future is so great. These things are ugly and weird. The Hadid sisters. I mean, I don't, yeah, well. I have no comment. Though. I have no comment either on that. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm Liz. My name is Brace, inventor of Whoa, 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 Witch House. And, of course, we have with us producer Young Chomsky. Is that a still thing? No, there was one band. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Salem. But I will say the Witch House aesthetic. Great which name for a band. I disliked at the time. Same. Uh, I feel like that is the general, like, I don't know what to call it. Is it hyper pop? It's like when someone spends too much time on the internet, but they also have to like music. That's the kind of music those people like. To me, that's like Wait, what? what Witch House was. I like this theory, but can you expand a little bit? We, you know how Witch House like was like that thing that happened. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, it was of its time. It was like 2011, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like that. Obviously, like SoundCloud rap, like the mm-hmm. kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, the like emo white guy thing, kind of came out of that. That part of it. 
But then I also I feel like that was a heavy influence on like the internet, like Instagram people music. Oh, I see. Which is just a fucking another world to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally other I don't world understand. to me. So, I, almost all of it, unlistenable. I love Bo Diddley. I've been going crazy about Bo Diddley lately. As you should. Yeah. Because I I, Rincon turned me on to one of his albums for the 70s. Mm. And I've just been mid-period Bo Diddley is incredible. That's nice to the hear. Guy, he only had that one. I like that little part. hot tip for listeners. Yeah. Shaving a haircut, two yeah. bits. Um. <sighs> Liz. What's up, phrase? You know how we talk about the show about debunking a lot? Debunking? Debunking. Mm. And we've debunked. We've bunked and debunked. Hey, I like to bunk and debunk. But what about debanking? <laughs> debanking. Debanking. <laughs> My new rapper name, Debanker. Debanky. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's a hot topic. Well, last week we had Jacob Silverman on the show. R.I.P. And <laughs> he was struck. After um, that. We had, I think I mentioned this, but I'm going to say it again. We had scheduled that interview. We were so excited to have him on. We we're so excited to talk about crypto. And then as we were interview, we're <laughs> interviewing him. As we're t- chatting with him, um, Silicon Valley Bank kaput collapsed, taken over by the FDIC. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about it that much last week. We talked about it a little, but it was still was it was a it was a developing story, and it yeah. hadn't developed into maturity. The bonds hadn't matured yet. <laughs> no, the bonds had not matured the yet. The bonds hadn't matured yet. Um, and so I think we should kind of dive in a little bit to what happened because there's a lot of kind of interesting angles to this. Pretty much all of which are bad. So we got to start from the beginning. Father Junipero Serra. <laughs> And the Spanish conquest of California. Okay, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> did you have to learn about all the missions in school? Uh, yeah, I did. That yeah. guy was a real. I will say, uh, the worm turning on that guy was well deserved. Mm. He was not a not a nice guy. No, he was not. Anyways, um, Silicon Valley Bank, right? Yes. SBV, SVB, excuse me. And I want to say here, already fucked time. it up. But here's the thing. It has not been a great year for three initials. <laughs> no, it has It has been really rough. And this is a true and on finan- – this is financial advice just as everything we've said on every episode and especially on this episode will be. This is not. If you have your money in something with three initials in it, mm. and that goes for us too, FBI pension fund, take it out. <laughs> yeah, take it out. And Thank God that Sam Bankman Fried did not bank at Silicon Valley. I mean, there's oh, just too many. It'd be fucked. And thank God that Bank of America puts against, I believe, usually conventions uh, of naming of the, you know, what do, you, what do you call when you shorten the, you know, the yeah, abbreviations. Yeah, abbreviations. Use the O. Yeah, BOFA. BOFA. BOFA what? <laughs> so um, Silicon Valley Bank was a bank started in the 1980s, a small bank. That mainly served the technological sector and, as far as I can tell, about 2,500 venture capitalist firms right yeah. now, which is kind of a lot. They're the 16th largest lender in the United States. Clients are mostly high-tech firms. Etsy banked there mm-hmm. and Roku yes. famously <laughs> banked there, which Roku, I got to say, came out of this. They've been keeping it quiet kind of since Roku rolled out, but yeah. They yeah, I got been... something to say about Roku. <sighs> this bank had some money in it. Yeah, they had a good amount of fucking money in this bank. I mean, as we're going to talk about, it was a lot of tech firms, like you said, and they were keeping large deposits. In fact, so large that about $150 billion out of the 
at $73 billion in the bank were over the FDIC-insured limit. That would be most of the accounts in the <laughs> bank, right? So I think I want to stop right here, first of all, and say FDIC-insured limit. Yes. Whenever I enter a bank shirtless and I go up to the counter and say, you are so fucking beautiful <laughs> to the lady there or the guy, you know, I don't care. I look and I see the bank will always say it's FDIC insured. Yes. And that, from what I understand, means that if I have an amount of money that I got from selling cocaine in there that's from under that's under $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars, that money is insured by the government so that if the bank goes belly up, I still have that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, Just making sure. Yeah, the limits used to be hundred about 100000 and they were raised actually after – the financial crisis in 2008 to 250k. That's where I lost my shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you always want to stay uh, at one of these FDIC insured banks for sure. So there were about 37,000 customers accounting for that, uh, accounting for those uh, uninsured deposits, uh -huh. which is not that many. No. Meaning that the average account was like over $4 million mm -hmm. of those uninsured deposits. So we're talking about like big fucking accounts, right? Yeah. It's not like, I, I think that there's like some weird, um, you know, it's not like your grandma's savings account. Yeah. It's literally Roku, Etsy, these big companies. My grandmother is Roku. <laughs> keeping $5 million in like checking account, a yeah. savings account, which yeah. is very weird. So around three years ago, a pangolin working in, a, a, in what's called a bat lab, which is also known as a night lab, which is a lab that only functions at night. It's kind of like a cool nightclub-y thing, R RBG lights and stuff in there. Uh, in China, released a virus, right? Mm. The entire world shuts down. Mm. And for some reason, the economy starts doing really good for high-tech people. <laughs> in that amount of time, in the past three years, Silicon Valley Bank more than tripled the amount of deposits that it had in there. So it went from being like, you know, a decently big bank to being like a pretty big bank in terms of being a community small bank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people have blamed that rise in deposits on some of the PPE, PPP loans. Yeah. PPP, PPP loans. Um, I kind of like don't really buy that. I think most of it was because, you know, like you said, the economy went crazy boom because the Fed back then cut interest rates real low. Yeah. Right? Basically zero zero percent interest rates. And uh, everyone was just lending, lending, lending. So VCs were flush with, with cash yeah. that they were pouring into all of these companies, right? So the bank is just taking it, raking in all this fucking money in the past three. I mean, tripling the size of their deposits in there. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah. And the thing is, is that this bank, I mean, look, they had deep, deep relationships in the Valley. Yeah. And they'd been there for a long time, like you said, like since the 80s. And they actually survived the first dot-com crash, Unlike, which a lot of people didn't. Yeah, you know? diapers, pets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were so th – the way to think of them is kind of like not like Bofa, uh -huh. not like Chase or whatever. I understand what you mean by that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> but like a merchant bank. Yeah. Okay? Like for the most highly concentrated group of entrepreneurial assholes in history. Is that an Adderall thing? You're, like you're doing <laughs> like a, a joke? I mean, but, uh, yeah, a bunch of fucking hopped up techies. But like for this very specific, specific industry. Yes. That's like the bank. Yes. So 
Like, imagine this. You're a startup, yeah. right? You're a small business. You got mm-hmm. this idea. You're like, damn, I wish that I could make color-blocked uh, workout gear that also could offer you a delicious um, Adderall soda. So I'm going to cut you off right there and say you're thinking to 2019 startups. Now, <laughs> the, the product that we make is so arcane – unusable and like some bizarre like part of some small part of some payment processor thing that you will never use. We're not making any physical thing. But okay, we're making leggings. <laughs> well, okay, when that when you guys want to seek financing, right? Oftentimes and you go to like a venture Parents. capital. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> go to a venture sorry. capital firm. Often what would happen with their relationship with SVB is they'd say, "Okay, uh, we're going to give you this, you know, 500 I don't know, $500, $600 million round of financing sounds great. But as caveat, you need to put it all in Silicon Valley Bank. And in return, Silicon Valley Bank would be like, thanks for the business, guys. Love you. Love you. You're our fam. You're our community. Mm-hmm. We love to support the community. Let me uh, help you out. I'm going to get you tickets to uh, Andreessen's dinner. I get to go eat with Andreessen. Mark Andreessen. <laughs> Is that how you say his name? He, doesn't, you know, he doesn't, famously doesn't serve eggs. At meals. Because <laughs> he can be it's the cr- only one? He, yeah. He has, he, he, <laughs> He's he, king egg. He finds it dominant. Like, it's like a domination alpha thing. But, you know, I'm not like these guys. <laughs> or whatever, you know. Or, oh, do you need help with a mortgage? Or, yeah. oh, do you need, you know, whatever. You need uh, a little, like, better financing. For I'm going to hook you up. Well, their other thing, too, is this is this is such a Silicon Valley thing, right? They also did a lot of financing for wineries that were started by mm. founders or VCs. Yeah, that must be nice. And so that's like, I know. And it's a, that's, it's, they. That's like their business clientele. So, you know, they sort of did this like a lot of founders, a lot of VCs had their personal checking accounts in this place too. Yeah. You know, it was a community bank for possibly the most reprehensible community in North America. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and you have to think about it too. I mean, I don't want to like brag too much on – it's so easy to go after the startup people. And I have mm-hmm. to say we as a culture have for quite some time deservedly. Yeah. But now maybe the VC time to clown on the VC people has come, and we really need to go after them. But I will say this about startup people. A lot of them, they're young. They're out of Stanford. They're just trying to, you know, get by by selling, like, you know, fake medical supplies, <laughs> whatever yeah, fucking Theranos yeah. is doing. But the point is a lot of them, like, have never had, like, checking accounts or bank accounts before. They can't get loans for a yeah. house or a car or whatever from a traditional bank. Yeah. So this, you know, taking these conditions from Silicon Valley Bank seems like a sweet deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So we should talk about what actually happened with this run on the bank because it happened really, really quickly, sort of shockingly quickly. So up until last Wednesday, Silicon Valley Bank was regarded, I think, by most people, though it's later come out that some people knew that something was up maybe even a few months in advance. Mm. But by most people who even knew what it was in the first place, as a solid bank, right? Good rating from Moody's. You know, people were like, (laughs) which don't get me started on that. I got to tell you, whoever came up with Moody's, whoever came up with these rating things, you are a fucking genius, dog. That is. It was so great when it's like there was like some alert that was like Moody's has now downgraded Silver uh, SVB. It's like it's already collapsing. Yeah. Moody's will downgrade it after the fact. Thanks for the heads up, guys. We should literally start our own one of those. It seems like a way to print money. It's easy. Anyways, 
it's doing, you know, it's the bank. You're still going to the bank. You're still starting your little startup. Mm-hmm. Till last Wednesday, there is a great conflagration. There was a firefight! Yeah. Market closes. They announced that they're raising capital to shore up liquidity. Basically in a stock sale. They're going to have a stock sale, a bunch of other things. But this is not something you really want to hear from a bank. You don't want to hear them being like, ah, we need to shore up liquidity. It's sort of like, well, wait a second. Shoring up liquidity. So, again, you know, I'm a guy. I've had one. I didn't get my first credit card until I was like 27 years old because I was too afraid of them. And I'm you should still, be. I'm still afraid of them. <laughs> and I got to tell you, everyone I knew who got a credit card when they were young is in insane credit card debt now. Oof. Uh, That's because, not good. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's what happens. But uh, – you want your bank to have liquidity because, from my understanding, liquid means money, mm-hmm. right? Yes. One of the most important things for me, just like speaking personally as a, as a, my soul, for my soul, a bank needs to have money. Yeah. Yeah, you want that. You don't want to hear that they need – that they're having a hard time shoring it up. Because shoring up liquidity means you're trying to find money. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, In, yeah, in yeah, English? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean – the bank was like decently well capitalized, but there was like a couple changes it allegedly didn't anticipate, which we can talk about, but it basically needed a bunch of money. Yeah. So it sells around $20 billion in securities, taking, and when it says in this press release that they're selling the securities and we're going to take a $2 billion loss on that. That's how badly they needed to shore up money. Again, not a thing you want to hear. That's not confidence building. So right? I, I'm some little founder guy. I'm a, I'm a motherfucking lap top mm. and i see this news yeah and i'm like well how come they're so desperate for money right now that they're willing to take a two billion dollar loss right that mm. would raise some hackles on on, on my, yeah and my it, a name. bunch of people started getting nervous and yeah. then they see this like press release then comes out that peter Thiel's founders fund is withdrawing its money out of the bank and Kind of all hell breaks loose after that. Yeah. Um, the next day, the the bank stock opens to like a sixty percent loss. The following day, it gets another sixty percent loss. I mean, it's just fucking nose diving. Uh huh. And Twitter, where a lot of this stuff was kind of being reported on and talked about because it's all moving so fast. I mean, it starts going crazy. <laughs> you start seeing people say, like, I can't, you know, I, I can't get any money out. There was, like, someone saying that they were logged into the account, their bank account, and the bank had turned it to view only. I would have loved. Just like just my, like fucking. Just <laughs> like my dream is to be the Ellis Island name-changing guy. <laughs> to be the guy that during the bank collapse who's making the bank harder to use sounds like the most fun job ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's, like, very funny to laugh yeah, about. Look but can you touch. imagine that like moment of fear when you're logging into your bank account to wire all your money out and it's just like view only? Yeah. And just like everyone else in the Toastly office is like in hushed silence, right? And then the ding of your smart toaster oven goes off. Toast is burning. A bunch of uh, CEOs showed up at like actual um, – uh, branches, mm-hmm. including I think the like former Lyft CEO, like demanding to get their money out. So it really was a kind of like it's a wonderful life moment. Yeah. <laughs> but with again, the worst people that you could ever imagine. So like we said on the on last week's podcast, by Friday morning, the FDIC swoops in, closes down the bank, it takes it into receivership. Case closed. I mean, I will say it was them coming in and doing that on a Friday. uh, It was before noon, I believe. Real quick, they came in. 
That's not usually how things are done. Usually the FDIC waits until like close of business day to kind of let things calm down. Everyone, you know, it's all about calming ex- like expectations yeah, yeah. and perceptions and so much of what happens in the financial economy is like based on that. And so it's all about like calming everyone down. Um, that did not, I think them coming in as they did kind of shows how chaotic and unpredictable what was happening was. They should have tweeted calm down. <laughs> just just say that. It works. Fellas, if you're in a fight, that's your number one. That's all six chambers of the fucking revolver right there. Yeah. I mean, by Monday, the, the federal government, they announced that the depositors will be backstopped in the accounts. They are insuring all of the accounts, even above the 250K threshold. We can talk about that if we want. And they announced this short-term kind of lending facility uh, to help out other banks in order to prevent a run, trying to basically calm everyone down. I will say... People don't seem very calm. It's been about a week. It's been almost a week, I guess, since this happened. And the bank stocks are trading like penny stocks. Everyone's kind of all over the place. Well, I got to say, I think if there's one word that would describe the reaction to last week's and current events, but really the events of last week and last weekend, calm would be probably at the bottom of my list of <laughs> words to use. I, I think I think what we saw was one of the – I got I to be honest, a very funny – but also kind of crazy freak out by some of the most annoying human beings ever, uh, you know, pushed out of a vagina. (laughs) But let's head back into the vagina for a second here to talk about what what happened, the vagina of time, (laughs) and talk about what happened three years ago, the past few years, why this bank collapsed. Yeah, okay. So we, you know, we talked to this about this a little bit. You know, deposits tripled since the beginning of COVID. That's probably a good place to start. Like, let's all go. Let's get in the mindset. Uh-huh. Let's remember 2020. Your favorite year, Brace. I'm wearing Kenta cloth. <laughs> I'm kneeling. It's the U.S. Capitol. Who's that to my right? It's Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> that was... Crazy. Yeah, people still love bringing that up, but I say not enough. Leave it. Not enough. More politicians. Biden should have been in Kenta cloth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This was also around the same time that like really annoying teenagers were posting like money printer go burn Mm -hmm. and like GameStop. Remember, everyone was buying apes. People were going crazy. Yeah. Everyone, basically, everyone was insane. Yeah. Saying that like you didn't buy an ape with me, but okay. Like I said, venture capital was salivating. They're, you know, borrowing so cheap. There's just fun money everywhere. They're putting it left. They're putting it right. They're putting it in anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so VCs, they put a ton of money into startups. Those startups, they, wow, they love banking at Silicon Valley Bank. So nice. So all of their deposits go whoosh. Now, what does the bank do when it's got all these deposits on its hands? Well, it's a bank. So it's got to go put them somewhere, right? So, it's, you know, it's not going to just sit on cash. What is this? No, it's got to get a return, yeah. So, I've never understood that, but yeah. Well, yeah, because basically that's what banks do, right? It's a classic arbitrage. Yeah, they they make money from your money. Yeah, that's how – how else would they make money? They should just – I don't know. To me, a bank should just be a literal giant room where money sits. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. But, I mean, that's what banks do, right? You put your money in the bank. Yeah. They give you, like, I don't know, what, 0.1% interest on it? It is. It is and then they yeah. go invest it even at, you know, 1.5%. 
they're making a nice little nice little spread there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how banks make money. I know, but well, it should be illegal. And also, like, there shouldn't be inflation because I think prices for all goods and services should be set by the government, too. <laughs> so, okay, back to SVB. They they t- have all those deposits, right? Yeah. And they're going to invest them in somewhere. And so they put them in uh, long-term investment securities. Not a big deal. Bonds, mortgage-backed securities, basically fixed income debt vehicles. Pretty standard stuff, I yeah, got to say. safe. Yeah, safe. Not a big deal. Really quick before we talk about what happened to those uh, supposedly safe uh, investment vehicles, we should say that in the midst of this, in the middle of this, before we get to 20, what year is it? 23? Mm-hmm. There's a bit of regulatory failure we got to talk about. The vaccine. <laughs> no. Back in 2018, so before COVID, all of this stuff. Okay, yeah. Congress rolled back a bunch of regulations for mid-sized banks, including regulations that govern entities like SVB. Yeah, because I remember calling me crazy, mm-hmm. right? 2008, big bank collapse. Yes. Every oh, couple. A couple. Yeah, it was a big deal, right? Mm. Oh, no, no, everything's great. Oh, no, the bank's got no money. Bailout, very famous, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah. We all know about it, right? A big thing with that, right, is they were like, we got to make sure this can't happen again. Mm-hmm. And they put all these laws in, right? Yeah. And then from what I understand, people were like, actually, we don't really need those laws. Well, some of those laws we don't need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, these mid-sized banks— Pretty much, I guess, like what, 100 to 250 billion caps, yeah. let's say. We're like, come on, you don't need to like, you don't I'm need to judge s- us. Like we're JP Morgan I'm Chase. We're just, we're little small guys. I'm we're small we're so cute. Why do you, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, I guess I, I mostly invest. Oh, uh, Etsy keeps their money here. Oh, oh, oh it's so cute. Roku, Roku does. <laughs> Uh, it's not anything crazy. Yeah, so the whole thing was all these banks that are mid-sized banks, they're like, we're not systemic banks. Yes. So a systemic bank is a big-ass bank that's part of the system. Yeah. The system that tries to control you. No, but it's like, a, it's too big to fail kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so these banks were like, we're actually not too big to fail. We can fail, <laughs> but <laughs> in exchange... There's less regulatory oversight. There's less stress tests. Yeah. You know, you guys aren't coming down here breathing down our necks every other day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, like, we we shouldn't be subject to the kind of strict capital requirements that these larger banks are uh, subject to because we, you know, we don't have that kind of same systemic risk like the big, you know, the eight globally systemic banks that the U.S. has. Well, a little guy, SVB CEO— that would be Silicon Valley Bank CEO, Greg Becker, mm. was also chair of a tech lobbying group during this time called TechNet, which sounds fake, but is actually backed by basically the entire, I mean, Apple, Google, all these <laughs> kind of things. Etsy, actually. Mm. And lobbied hard via that group and uh, via, I think, another group that he was a part of, but part of this whole like sort of ecosystem of small banks, essentially lobbying to get this, these regulations rolled back on these mid-sized banks. Yeah, the big thing was that, you know, banks that really rely on short-term funding, like Silicon Valley Bank, they should be subject to stricter rules about what they've got on hand. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, if your deposit flow is more volatile, you should have to keep more capital on hand, easily, like, liquid assets on hand, because 
you know, it's it's you know, if it's if your deposits can increase or decrease really rapidly or really inconsistently, you need to have some money there. Yeah. So what you're saying is if there's a chance that you know you you got a kind of funky little deposit base that all this shit they might need to all de- take our money out at some point because they're crazy people on the internet. You need to have money to cover that. Yeah. What and you're saying here is the bank needs money. Yeah. All this stuff is like totally like it sounds so stupid to keep repeating and say kind of like in different ways. But it's like it's all makes sense. It's this. All, of course, that should be the case. Yeah. But not for, you know, dear Greg Becker, who basically, like you said, lobbied Congress to get get these rolled back. And and how? And did. Yeah, bipartisan support for a rollback of this stuff. There's, a, you know, there's a lot, past few days, I'm sure if you've been paying attention to this stuff, you've heard the clips of like Trump announcing these rollbacks mm. and all that stuff. But yeah, basically they were excluded from this like heavy um, you know, stress tests and all of these the capital requirements. Yeah. And I want to say too, like, I love clowning on Cong. I mean, I don't even know what the fuck Congress does anymore. Well, to I me, it basically they're clowns themselves. <laughs> they are. And I know it's corny, but I hate. I, I fucking hate Congress. Anyway, oh, we'll be talking about one of the dumbest motherfuckers in there later. <laughs> but the Fed does bear some responsibility here because the Fed went above and beyond what Congress even like recommended. So much so that. Uh, that Brainerd, I, I feel, just feel, please don't Crazy make a joke. Crazy ass name. <laughs> Brainerd? Yeah. <laughs> no. He, he, um, he gives head in an erudite way. She. Okay, well, can't say that joke then. <laughs> but she even like wrote this crazy dis- uh, dissent on the Fed's decision on this, mm-hmm. basically predicting every single thing that was going to happen with SVB. And so the, the the point is, is that the Fed and Congress they basically gave these mid-sized banks, including Silicon Valley Bank, Silicon Valley Bank. It's going to be real. That's real tough for me. Yeah, Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> They gave them basically the runway to grow rapidly without triggering any of the kind of liquidity requirements that would have like backstopped any of this kind of run from happening or at least get them some additional scrutiny to stop this, right? So like we said, over the next couple of years, right, go back. The market goes bananas. Crazy. There's like all the IPOs. Remember the IPO bonanza? Yeah. There's like basically a gold rush. Phase. Everyone claim. is insane. Yeah. Um, but then a dark cloud moves over Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Brandon Ebenezer Biden. Hitler, as we call him where I'm from. What's his middle name again? Hitler. Robinette. Robinette. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, fully pause on that one. Robinette? Hey, because uh, naming your male son middle name Robin is crazy enough, but be like, what if there was a more female version of this? <laughs> Robinette? Get yeah. out of here. It sounds like a group of dancers. Dancing birds. Robinette. The Robinettes. Yeah. That yeah, would be very yeah. cute. Dancing birds. I like that. I'm thinking about that. Does. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, he gets elected. He puts an end to the party, right? The war in Ukraine starts. So sick. The Fed announces that, oh. Inflation too crazy. Uh-huh. Now we got to start raising rates, and wah, wah, the party is over. So what you're saying here is because of inflation, the funny money stops being funny and starts getting real <laughs> and scary. Kind of, yeah, and yeah. And there's yeah. just less. There's less. I was thinking about this uh, last night because we call it funny money, or people call it frothy money. Yeah, there needs to be a one word for it. 
and I thought of it, but I can't remember it now. But it was either sputum or spiz. I like spiz. All right, we're calling it spiz. Yeah, too much spiz. There was too much spiz everywhere. It was getting everywhere. <laughs> so, okay, higher interest rates, right? That does a couple things right off the bat when uh-huh. that happens, right? That's last year. One, startup valuations, they crater. This starts breaking the tech sector. All the IPO bonanza, that's over. So that was, from what I understand, the scam, the big scam in the tech sector, right, mm. is like the same kind of thing as the art world scam, where you get you have this thing, and then you get someone to really overvalue it. Yes. And then you then you sell it. Like in the case of like a painting, you know, you you have your friend who's like an appraiser, appraise it for way too much money, and then you sell it. Or in the case of uh, a company, you get it appraised for way more than it has any right to be, and then you sell the shares at that inflated price. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, VCs. I got a lot to say about these assholes, but VCs are basically. Like trust, uh, they're just first of all, they're just brokers. Yeah, all they're doing is connecting finance. That's all they're doing and skimming off the top. They're totally yeah. useless little worms on this economy. Yeah. But second of all, they're just house flippers. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they're doing. They're yeah. literally just like dressing up someone else's company and then flipping it through like IPOs or these like the SPAC vehicles that they basically invented. Yeah. So sick. We <laughs> spac yeah, we spe- we spacked when they're spiz. Yeah, when they're spiz, we're spacking, baby. <laughs> but that's the thing is, so this was like bonanza time, and then the bonanza comes to an end. The spiz dries up. Yes, as if it was on a sock, and uh, and uh, the the fun times are over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those bubbles pop. The VCs start pulling back on funding uh-huh. as a result. And, you know, it's not as cheap to borrow anymore So because interest rates are up. So all the financing gets tighter. And at an institution like Silicon Valley Bank, which is, again, highly, highly concentrated amount of VC-funded startup yes. cash, that's basically their entire deposit base, Um they're going to feel that pullback almost immediately, yeah. right? And so cash inflows start slowing down all their bank accounts, you know, because what the thing is is, you know, if you're running a company uh-huh. and even as the the spiz starts stops flowing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You're still running your company. You've still got the same, like, cash outflows. We're you still got a new PayPal. Kind of bean. I mean, PayPal, yeah. you still got payroll. Yeah. You've still got, you know, all of, like, your costs. You've got your burn rate, whatever. We're, yeah, we're still inventing beans. So that doesn't stop. But, like, all of the deposits are getting drained. They're not getting, uh, you know, filled up as quickly as they were in the past with all the mm-hmm. free money. Yeah. Please stop smiling. <laughs> I like just that. thought that was an interesting phrase. You're making me phrase. say spiz. I'm not making you say spiz. I just think it's <laughs> there needs to be one word for something instead of funny money. I think it's too many words. Now, the other thing that was the problem for this little bank, which is really not that little, yeah. is that you know when interest rates rise, bond prices fall, right? Bonds have a fixed, uh, you know, bonds are fixed in- interest income. You know, they're locked in until maturation, until the end of their sort of their life cycle. So the whole thing it. with the bond is this, right? Because mm. it's like the old lady way to like to invest. <laughs> That's from what I understand. Yeah. You're like, all right, I buy this government bond. Mm. In 10 years, I get more money. Well, yeah. Well, so it's real safe, right? Because yeah. so you buy a government bond, mm-hmm. right? And you, let's say it's a 10-year treasury. Yeah. And you get that, basically you pay $100. So in 10 years, you're guaranteed to get $100 back. And in the meantime, you're going to get a fixed interest rate as 
uh, a payment annually. That's called a coupon. Yeah. So you get locked in 10 year rate. I don't know. Let's say you get locked in at like 1.5%. So get you a- get paid a dollar <laughs> fifty a oh, year. Boy, yeah. And then at the end of 10 years, you get your, you know, hundred dollars back additionally. Okay. And so that's, you know, you know, individuals buy bonds, people buy bonds, people buy a lot of bonds right now. But, and if you wanted to, we could set you up with an account should on I, Treasury Trade. Should I you buy can, a bond? You could, la- I mean, if you think that interest rates are going to go up, you could ladder, you could start laddering How bonds. How would I if you think wanted. that? Who would tell me that? Are they going to? Ah, well, we can talk about it. But so, who really buys bonds are institutions. Yeah. Those are real big players. Because they also have a lot of money, right? Like, you put $1,000 into a bond, you know, what? You're yeah. getting peanuts. You put a billion dollars into a bond, you get, you get a lot well, of money Well, and it's back. safe. Yeah, it's safe. Right? And it's, you know, so Silicon Valley Bank bought a lot. I mean, if you're a bank, it's a great way to make money. Like we said, it's that classic arbitrage play on deposits, you know? So even at 1.5%, you're making bank because you're only charging, you're only charging or you're only paying out to the customer yeah. like 0.2% on their bank deposit. Yeah. So you're making great money, right? But when the Fed raised interest rates... That means the value of long-term bonds, you know, it goes down. So on their books, that declines. And this wasn't like a secret. You know what I mean? Like people knew about this. It's not like suddenly like CFOs at companies were like, wait a second, what? Like, and certainly not at banks. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, the Fed gives bondholders plenty of time to sell their books. Like none of this comes as a surprise to anyone. It's not like anyone's like caught flat-footed or whatever, right? But it's, you know, for some reason – None of the kind of traditional hedging of duration risk that happens at other two institutions happened at SVB, and that seems like a complete failure on their part. So you had in this moment the bank getting squeezed on both basically their net interest margin and their deposit cash flow. It was like kind of a perfect storm, right? And so a lot of people in the Valley started to kind of notice that this was happening. In fact, I mean, I've heard people say that this was like an open secret. Everyone knew that this was a problem a while, at the bank. Yeah, months. Yeah, if not longer. And no one really seemed to care until they did. And it seems like, from what I've heard from people in financial press and others, that this was less of a total collapse than more of a targeted assassination. Really? <laughs> Meaning that people who maybe should not be named, but who perhaps rhyme with feel or keel or kneel. Uh, you know, people who have positions in things like neobanks or perhaps were interested in, you know, maybe they took some short positions that we don't know about, saw an opportunity and took it. And that basically this was like a total hit job. But it really did spark an insane run on this bank. Well, I will say, just in terms of Teal, I sent you guys this earlier, but his anti-woke bank did f- collapse itself and closed <laughs> down, I think, last year. Which That's too bad. Sucked. If only could hang on a little bit longer. Our money was in there, oh, to great. be clear. Uh, well, our, just from our Rumble streams. Yeah. Just um, his money that he gave us, that he put in there. I feel like what was really interesting to me and I feel like was a, a kind of a good test for the general mood was seeing the reactions of the VCs to mm. all this stuff, right? And I, I feel like there was basically two main tracks that that VCs or like tech people, but mostly VCs, took on this. There was going crazy and trying to actively and publicly foment a bank run at other banks in order to 
assured that the feds would come in and sort of rescue everybody to mm. basically to try to spread the very contagion that they themselves were warning against. Yeah. And then there was a sort of like backroom kind of thing, which mm. we have a little less uh, insight on. But, of course, all of these people, the thing with the VC is VCs also kind of act like politicians sometimes. Uh, I and just, so like, assume themselves to be. All of this was very public. And many of them are former tech journalists, too. Yeah. Um, and so all of this was, of course, not leaked to the press, was like the, given to the press, and the press ate it up. Because although VCs make very good villains, um, they're also very buddy-buddy with a lot of uh, you know tech reporters and outlets and you know things of that nature. So... In trying to foment a bank run, I think this was the most publicly obvious stuff. It became pretty obvious, at least by Friday afternoon, that there was a certain crowd of very loud, often it's kind of like the Jabba guard type people uh, on the internet who were trying to, to spread panic and to get people to withdraw Money uh, in in huge quantities from other banks in order yeah, to do the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say, not even Silicon Valley Bank or no. First Republic, like any bank. So the most notorious is Dave Sachs, of course, named after the famous Ball Sack. Uh, Bill Ackman, which is, of course, named after uh, what teenagers from many decades ago would have said if they had seen his ugly visage. Mark Cuban, of course, named after the sandwich, which he has eaten uh, many times, judging by his weight. And Jason Kalakinas, uh, who, of course, doesn't need to be named after anything, but if there was to be another word for shit— such as the Inuit having 500 words for snow. If the English-speaking American had 500 words for shit, Kalakanas would make up 499 of them. Wait, is it Calacanis? Calacanis. But I, I like call him Kalakanas. Yeah, I like yeah that it way, is Kalakanis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, these guys were going fucking psycho. I mean, on tweeting the with all caps. Listen, I've tweeted all caps many times. Amazon, fire the person that delivered the packages that came to my house. Uh, Amazon grocery delivery app, fire the person who brought the things to my house. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm out there 24 hours a day trying to get everybody I interact with fired. But these guys have audience of millions. Yeah. And they were saying so much. Like, they were posting, like, Mad Max kind of things. Like, listen, on uh, this is affecting... You know, whatever, Tech Street today, Wall Street tomorrow, and our Monday, Main Street's going to feel the brunt of it. Of course, most people on Main Street do not have $250,000 or above in their bank accounts. I think they have somewhere under, like, uh, I don't know, like $6,000, $5,000 in their bank account. I think it's but like also, the average. SVV is, like, not—I mean, they these people basically convinced everyone or try were trying to convince everyone that, like, retail and, and commercial banking are the same thing. Yeah. Like, what these companies had at SVV was not like, oh, my grandma's savings account, but they were saying shit like that where they're like, oh— People would feel differently if these were farmers. You're right. They they well. First of all, f farmers. I hate when these people say farmers, right? Because the majority of farming in this country is done by giant agri. No, I know. They're just trying to like invoke this like great depression. Like, oh my poor little, I've just got my my little savings He's, up in the community bank. He has turnips. And things of that nature, and now I he's got just, nothing. Oh, let me just hook my other overall on so I can be presentable to Mr. Bankman. It's like, who the fuck are you talking about? Listen, baby doll, I'm the most famous Maoist in America. I know the farmer. I know their mindset. The American peasant, 
is with me. I just think it just makes me mad because it was like, no, these are on average $4 million accounts that are like payroll accounts. Well, what these little pig men might oink at you is this, Liz. They were saying, and this was the big thing that you saw from a lot of these VC, a lot of these like big wig tech people types, is that, well, okay, you might think we're villains, right? But all these small startups, okay, you might not like those guys that much either, but think of the people who work for them. Mm. Now, I want to be clear here. Well, I don't like those people either. I don't really like <laughs> I also dislike those people. I mean, yeah, exactly. Being from the Bay Area, not a huge fan of a lot of those people either. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the other thing, baby. All those non-alcoholic sodas, who needs them? Kin? Give me a, I don't drink it. I don't want to drink that. Give me a nice, you know what I'm drinking right here? Diet Coke. That's Bella Hadid's, you know. Yeah, I know. Oh, I do know. And okay. that's why I don't drink it. I think I've referenced that before in the show. Um, anyways, anyways, anyways. Here's the other thing about this bank that we people really should keep in mind. There was almost no chance that all of these accounts would just never get their money back, right? No, of course like, not. They, uh, maybe they would get like some kind of like, you know, 10, 15, 20% haircut. Maybe lose maybe, money. Maybe. Maybe. But not maybe, even. But like that wasn't that, – there was no chance that like they were just going to close the accounts and steal – take the money. This money did not disappear. No, right? that's the thing is that this bank was – I mean SVB, you know, it was insolvent but it wasn't insolvent, right? I mean I know it sounds like it, that sounds yeah. stupid but like basically once the FDIC took it over, first of all, they you immediately – anything under 250 k guaranteed. And then everything above the uninsured, it's like all it would take was like a week or two after – Basically, the FDIC in receivership is like selling the bank's assets to get a return that everyone would have been made whole. It would have been fine. It would have been fine. And here's the other thing, too. There are programs that even I know about. Somebody who has had one bank account since he was like 18 or whatever. Same bank account? Why why would I open a new one? No, I'm just curious. I don't know. I've switched banks. I'm just curious. This never occurred to me. Um, That's good. Loyal. Well, I guess. I mean, you see my debit card. <laughs> I do. Uh, for those, it does of you, look like very loyal to I, the washing machine. I, I, I do. The debit card is missing about half the yeah, debit card. It's but the like melted. It's definitely. It's, it's just missing. It looks some like chunks. it kind of took Ozempic. It did. It is slimmer than most. I will say that. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: there are services that you can do that you can pay that will spread your company's money <laughs> across different banks yeah. so that it's all under the sweep FDIC. Accounts. Yeah, sweep accounts. That's all which Silicon Valley Bank actually offered. But here's the thing is that it's I don't think that the CFOs at these companies were just like that stupid. Yeah. Like there's no way this I mean maybe, but I really doubt it that the CFO of Roku like didn't know about sweep accounts. But I'm like, what like, was my man doing then? But I think that the bank required them to keep those high deposits yeah. because it wanted to lend them out to hit the returns. That's what it was doing. Otherwise, it wasn't making money. Well, I want to talk about one of those fucking VCs for a second, the one who was probably stirring up the most insanity. Mm. I'm not going to go through all of my notes because, first of all, most of them are just either conjectural um, about the man's personal life or uh, rather rude about some of his past ventures. Uh, in upkeeping his personal appearance. But Jason Kalakinis, that's what I'm calling him. <laughs> He's a former journalist, like many of these VC types, uh, who was involved in a sort of like Forbes type, like 30 under 30 thing during the first dot com boom, which was like, uh, you know, under 100, uh, you know, like top tech companies. And basically has now admitted to mostly making it up. But like this, essentially like an access journalist 
during the very first stages of the tech, first tech revolution. Uh, you know, he does that until the mid 2000s when he joins a venture capital firm, makes one good bet. One good bet, baby. $25,000 in Uber's first round of funding. He turns that into many, 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 many millions of dollars, mm. and he will not shut the fuck up about it. Here's the thing. Lots of guys when they were younger did something cool. Some of us, you know, played on a pretty good hardcore 7-inch or, you know, maybe even two. Actually, the second 7-inch wasn't that good. But. Brace, you don't have to tell everyone about my past. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Liz was uh, Liz, Liz was in direct control. So uh, here, like, the guy made one great bet. One great bet. Uh, in a company that has never turned a profit. Uh, and he has parlayed that into this career as like kind of like this like influencer. He's like a wise old man of the VC community. Uh, he essentially has an unlimited amount of money he throws around. He makes a lot of bets. And to be clear, when talking about VCs, VCs make a lot of bets. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's essentially the way I think of this. And again, like as I have a kind of vulgar understanding of this. The way that they do it is like, you know how when you, you've played the roulette before, right? Mm -hmm. I love roulette. You know how sometimes when you first start playing it, you're like, what if I just put a fucking chip on every number? Mm -hmm. And if I, I mean, obviously that it doesn't actually work out like that bet wise, but that's kind of what they do. They put a chip on like every number, hoping that their number will get called. And it's like huge returns. Because at the beginning of the kind of rush... Right. There were those huge returns like yeah. way back in the day. I'm Absolutely. talking about yeah. like in the early, you know, post, let's say post dot com crash before like 08 mm -hmm. in that kind of intervening time. And then up through the, you know, post like 2009 through to like 2018. Yeah. You could make a lot of fucking money if you hit it big. Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? And so there was that kind of gold rush. So much spiz. <laughs> there was so much spiz. But like, and we can talk about, you know, it's reached a ceiling now. Yeah. There's not so much left for tech to kind of innovate on yeah. in this arena. And so these guys are left kind of spreading their spiz around mm -hmm. to things that can just basically extract fees yeah because oh. now there's no more Googles to make no it's only rent seeking like absolutely little like bullshits that but when they the can gold rush now. started it wasn't no no it was like we could make Theranos yeah absolutely we could make we work you know 100%. all the giants yeah, all the 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 greats of today yeah <laughs> Jason Kalakinas also made something and I know this is we probably a time too time crunched uh to put this out but you know what I want to talk about it he made something called fat blogs I'm going to say it. He made something called Fat Blog. This was actually before Ozempic. This was before all apps that tracked your calories or whatever. Jason Kalakinis on his blog, which he still keeps, made something called Fat Blogs. And I was looking up his Fat Blog. There's an LA Times article. They were called Fat Blogs. He called them Fat Blogs. I was looking at an LA Times article about Fat Blogs, and I read the Fat Blogs themselves. And it's basically just him berating himself for being fat. And then Aww. I know it's it actually are kind of pathetic in the way that a lot of tech people are pathetic. Like you would see a wounded child mm. or like a and then but then the child turns out to be a 3000 year old devil vampire. And so he but you still marry her. And so he uh, he is, you know, talking about losing weight and all this kind of stuff. And I look at several of the blogs and it's just all like 
Epstein-related people in it. Oh, my God. It's like Joy. Every single one has like an Epstein person in it. And then I, I found one that wasn't. And I was like, well, fuck. There's no Epstein connection here. And, of course, Jason Kalakinas himself, page nine of the Black Book. Oh, of course. Um, and then, of course, later said he met uh, Ghislaine. I think he met Epstein with... Jenny Jarden in front of the show and played ping pong once with Ghislaine Maxwell. Anyways, he is Ugh. a very loud and proud libertarian type of person who yeah. immediately, immediately when SVB started to collapse was demanding tanks on the street, the federal <laughs> government to come down, black helicopters. Specifically the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve, which, by the way, I, of course, I am America's probably number one libertarian thinker, right? <laughs> And yeah. I'm not saying I am a libertarian. I'm just saying I am the foremost libertarian You're just theorist. always thinking about libertarians. Well, it's just like an atheist who might know a lot about theology. I am one of the most like advanced yeah. libertarians in the country. I'm just not a libertarian. Right. I like I'm, that for you. Yeah, I'm sort of a Warren Democrat. And mm. uh, <laughs> native. And so I think that was something that really jarred a lot of people seeing this stuff is all of these people who had talked about – you know, especially in terms of student student loans, how like they if if they any of those were forgiven, that was a mm. bailout. People shouldn't do that. Immediately demanding not only a bailout, but essentially threatening apocalypse or warning of apocalypse with an undertone of threat if that bailout was not made immediately. Yeah. And so Jason, all these guys were essentially trying to gin up scare stories about other small banks. Yeah. Uh, and another small bank did close, Signature Bank, although the reasons on that bit. are being debated a little bit. I think that was a little more crypto related. I think it was a little, although now the Fed's saying it's not crypto related, oh, wow. it's crypto related. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were trying to gin up these, ba- essentially these bank runs, warning of all this contagion. It never happened, but they did get what they wanted. They were bailed out. So behind the scenes... Although due to his stature, I would say that it would seem physically rather difficult. It was a man named Gary Tan. And Gary Tan here I use as a figurehead, an emblem, because there's a lot of Gary Tans out there. But I personally dislike Gary Tan the most because Gary Tan is a piece of shit. <laughs> Gary Tan is – I think he's in charge of Y Combinator. I uh, think he's at – I mean is it initialized? One of these venture capital firms. Uh, you know, he he is like – one of the biggest bum haters in all of San Francisco. Yeah. If if you if you are in need of food and shelter or anything, this man would set you on fire. However, if you invented Juicero, he would <laughs> gladly crawl over a fucking bed of nails like a little worm in order to lick one of your toes. Anyways, this cat and all of his little fucking friends uh, decide to, including Kim Mai Cutler, another person I really dislike. You know, I heard a, I heard <laughs> Jan Chomsky did a, did a couple of <laughs> with that snort like a damn bull, uh, and uh, which with the septum piercing to match, and uh, they form a WhatsApp group. <sighs> you know, start hitting up politicians. They're like, they write a white paper out. They're warning of this impending collapse. And it's funny because there's a long article about this WhatsApp group and a long article about their behind-the-scenes kind of like machinations. But the article itself is forced to admit that basically the white paper got in the hands of like regulators and politicians about 90 minutes before the FDIC announced like their the bailout. Mm-hmm. So like, it clearly did not have an effect. No, but they're all patting themselves on the back, Well, right? they're sort of forced to admit, be like, well, maybe it didn't work, but now we're politically active and together. Mm, they've and organized. Which is funny because Gary Tan is politically active. Garretan actually led the recall of uh, Chase Boudin and has f- formed a pact 
to go against non-friend of the show, mm. Dean Preston. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's true that, I mean, these VC group chats had a big effect on all of this shit. I mean, whether they were, you know, this, I'm not maybe not so much on the scrambling to like show their solidarity and get the federal government to do the thing that they were already going to do, which is what the FDIC is set up to do. Yes. But certainly in the like run itself, chatting back and forth with each other, basically organizing a total hit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and each other. Into a bank run. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's funny. If there's something that we've learned from covering the stuff that we've covered in the past week is that whenever you get a bunch of money men together in a group chat, something funky is going to go down, right? And again, I say it is gauche for a man to be in a group chat in the first place. <laughs> I like that. That should be our – that's our position. Yeah. It's, no men in group chats. It's, it's just – It's what are you that's, doing? You in, know what that means? Group what? chats? It's for the ladies. It's for girls. It is literally there for girls. Oh, yeah, you could say it in a positive way. Yeah, there. You know what? Group chats are for girls. It's called girl talk. It's girl talk. Girl talk. They're like, well, bra- girl yeah. talk. Brace. What do we feel about him, ladies? Don't say that in your group chats. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot happens in the girls' group chats. I don't want to know. I never want to know. It's not for you. I, I, I don't. It's for it's, us. I don't, it's not for me, okay? You're right. It's not for me. Girl talk. Another character I don't want to let slip talk. away, like some kind of, um, you know, greased pig or something, would be Rokana. You know, we've never talked about him on the show. I fucking I want to I want to plant my flag. We have talked about him behind the scenes of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying we have not given this man his proper due. I want to plant my flag here and say fucking Rokana sucks ass. <laughs> he fucking blows, dude. I'm so sick of this dumb motherfucker. In every he is the most fence walking dude yeah. ever. And like I'm not saying he's walking on a fence between good and bad. He's just two different kinds of annoying. He's so annoying. I just I I resent that I know who he is because he posts so much. We you know we hate posting politicians. Posting yeah. congressmen it's over. Stop it. Stop doing it. It's well, annoying. You're annoying. He represents South Bay. That's in, already annoying. In con- I know, so and annoying. Also annoying because you know I don't know where that is. <laughs> that's I'm gonna be. That's crazy. You don't know where the South Bay is. That's uh, it's the South the, Bay. I, well, I got the idea. But you know, Context my thing clues, is there's no we? West Bay. Yeah. That, um, well, that's not. Yeah. That's San Francisco. Well, there is a West Bay, but it just also includes San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all South Bay to me. Anyways, he represents South Bay in Congress, which of course includes Silicon Valley, and he is literally. And I know this phrase gets thrown around a lot. There's a few phrases that I hate that just get like people learn them once and then say them for every single thing. But he is literally controlled opposition because he mm-hmm. like he like went and kissed the ring. Like, you know, how like AOC and the squad or whatever, like we're pretty easy. Like they were cowed by Nancy pretty early on. Mm. Right. Or like, you know, established, like, you know, they kissed the ring and mm. stuff. It, you know, this guy put the ring so far down his throat. <laughs> That his large intestines look like the butthole of the guy that hit Nancy Pelosi's husband with a hammer. <laughs> I mean, this guy goes to Nancy Pelosi and he 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 has he tells her, 
he or he re- re- repeats that the quote she gave him was like, "You need to like power is never given; it's taken," which is such a funny thing to have Nancy Pelosi tell you. Uh, and uh, you know, he has been sort of walked this tightrope between being like, "I'm a Bernie guy," he was like a chair co-chair of the Bernie campaign, which, by the way, co-chairs of anything one of the most useless positions you can yeah. ever have. Co-chair of the Bernie campaign, but he's also like, "I'm I love Silicon Valley technology." He's just like this guy who wants to be everything to everybody. And he is, to me, a fucking nobody. He went around screaming about the need. We got to bail out the banks and blah. Or no, we got to bail out Silicon Valley Bank and all this shit. He's like, you know, putting forth this legislation with a friend of the show, Elizabeth Warren, to try to like roll back the rollbacks. But really what he is, is he's a fucking tool, these Silicon Valley dumbasses. And he's, in fact, hosting a campaign event with friend of our show, David Sachs, one of the people who was on Twitter trying to foment that bank run in just a few weeks. Jesus. And he's like, I hate this motherfucker. That sounds like a perfect event for some targeted activation work. (laughs) Young Chomsky, why don't you just put a bleep right here? Like a bleep. If that message was unbleeped for you, then it was meant for you and you only. (laughs) We've given you explicit instructions on what to do. So all this is to say, I think the venture capitalists and their lackeys in the government did not cover themselves in glory during this whole affair, le affaire de SVB. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's like, I think the thing that's really annoying about this is that this, I don't have really give a shit about this bank. No. I mean, it sounds like it's run by fucking morons for yeah. like across the board and that it's deposit based for a bunch of fucking asshole morons. That's well, a woke bank. <laughs> yeah, the woke bank. The woke That's bank. Right. Yeah. Woke bank. Um, but I will say that the bank probably would have been fine. Like, it, it, even though it had those bonds on its portfolio, like, it would have been fine because eventually it would have made the money back. Yeah. Right? The reason why it would have been fine except for it was forced to sell some of that portfolio because deposits were fleeing. Yeah. And so the problem was the deposit base. Yeah. All these asshole guys, you know, they either saw weakness or they saw an opportunity. Or they get a text from their VC. And they all fucking freaked and ran and they precipitated the the collapse of this thing. Yeah. Right? And so it's like I don't have a lot of – uh, sympathy for pretty much anyone involved in any of this. No, me either, no. Um, I mean, I think that they are, infor- you know, people like Jason Calacanis or whatever. Calacamas. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they you know, they tweet that kind of stuff and they, they're able to kind of foment this, you know, anxiety because so many people can feel that shit in the economy is like not great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even though on the news, you know, you got Joe Brandon saying all this stuff is good. Like, don't believe your eyes. Everything's fine. But everyone knows, like, something's wrong. At least I get that feeling. I don't know if you get that feeling. But, like, everyone kind of feels like, man, they were, like, selling apes on TV. Like, something's wrong. So, yeah, this I doesn't think really make sense. It's, the funny thing is, is, like, we had this huge, like, upsurge in this crazy spiz, right? Mm-hmm. Like, euphoria. Spiz euphoria. Euph- exactly. Exactly. And then that, like, really took a nose turn. And people were like, well, maybe that didn't affect the economy. Yeah. You know? Once the spiz dries up, the party's over is what I say. Well, it's, it's true. I mean, there was all that spiz in the economy. And it's like, 
It was one of the biggest bubbles in history. Yeah. I mean, everyone would say it at the time, whether it was crypto, whether it was everything else, you know, that like, how is this sustainable? How can this be sustainable? And like, what we're seeing now is that bubble being popped and it's like really fucking ugly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this shit is gonna start breaking, you know, the Fed basically with them raising interest rates as fast as they did and as hard as, as fast and hard as they did. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to break stuff. Yeah. And this is part of that, you know, and I think so much of the spizz was concentrated in tech that, you know, that whole industry is really due for a reckoning. And it's hard because I don't think anyone has any kind of sympathy for any of these motherfuckers because of the way they fucking carry themselves. And the thing, it's not only just the way they carry themselves now. It's like you were saying earlier, like there is no like innovation coming out. Yeah. I think the one thing I guess people would point to is AI, but obviously you people know how we feel about that. But like the thing that is coming out of the tech sector is literally just rent seeking bullshit, right? Yeah. And so it's like none of the companies <laughs> I would I would I would really be shocked if there was any company that was started in the past decade that did anything even approaching remotely useful thing for society, right? I mean, it's true, right? Can anyone? I mean, I don't know. Like what what does like what what like they they uh, the most they can do is they can destroy another industry and then move in on the carcass of that, like Uber. But that's again, that's even even before Uber. 10 years you can ago. like point to the time that you took one, and you're like, well, that was nice that I was able to do that. Yeah, exactly. But all these other things, you're like, what what is that? It's not anything, and it, you know, everyone's had kind of a miserable time for the past three years. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that they blame on tech, not incorrectly. And like, yeah, for me. Like, yeah, I use my ape because I only have IP rights to it. And I did make a hit series that was sort of a crossover with the TV show Big Mouth. But for a lot of like people, there's no use for any of this shit, yeah. right? It's just fucking – it's a fake industry for the most part. And, and, and I'm sorry, but like it's crazy that this bank run had some of the least sympathetic motherfuckers probably that you could name in America – as its spokespeople, yeah. right? Like people, Gary Tan is a person that I personally hate. Like I hate, I do who I have hated him for a long time. I would spit in his fucking mouth, non-sexual style. If I saw him on the street, you know, David Sachs, another one of these yeah. fucking guys, Jason, it's like all these people are people who've swung their fucking dicks around, acted like they're fu- these like puffed up synthol fucking chested little fucking creeps for the past years, bragging and fucking swinging their weight around. And by that weight is fucking substantial. And now they have, there's a little bit of like, oh, you made it. Maybe you made a bad bet. Maybe there was some bad decisions here. Maybe you did something fucking stupid. And not only are they refusing to take any, and of course, these are all the guys who are like, you have to take accountability for all your actions. No accountability for their actions. They're they're crediting themselves with the bailout. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, I mean, fuck, I think they should have just let these people fucking sink. But obviously, 250, that's the other thing too is 250K, that limit means nothing now. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a big uh, green pill, which is what I call money uh, <laughs> money things. Uh, just kidding, I would never call anything pilled. Um, but that's a big that's a big money thing from this. It's like apparently that just means nothing, right? Well, I mean, look, the FDIC should either. Well, I guess I think Congress is the one who makes these laws, and so the FDIC can't do it. Congress would have to pass the law to do it. But it's like maybe if the FDIC should raise the limits to a million, then they should raise the limits to a million. Whatever. The problem is, is that now like. 
basically all of the cost of this quote unquote bailout is getting absorbed by the entire banking system. Yeah. Which is like, okay, fine. And then you have someone like Yellen or Biden or whoever their spokespeople are come out and they say, oh, the taxpayer is not going to bear any of this. Taxpayer is not going to bear any of this. But that's not really true, right? Because the, the entire banking system is just going to pass the cost of having to basically cover the, the you know, cover these deposits on everyone else in the form of fees. Like a pass-through, like what you're fucking, which by the way, that yeah. shit should be illegal too. I mean, think about how insurance does it, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. And so actually, no, the cost for us will go up because of these assholes. And I think like, you know, I was trying to understand this like fucking bank and you know, what this company was, at, or like what they were actually doing and who these people were, you know? And I think that honestly, like, I mean, it may, because of the unique nature of the deposit base, the easiest way to think of them is more like a shadow bank than a real bank, uh-huh. right? Because of like the wheeling and dealing and they were doing, because of the way they were like, oh, it's easier. You put your money here. It's safer. It's $5 million. You keep these high accounts. We're going to help you out with these mortgages. We're going to make it easier to lend. We're going to do all this quid pro quo stuff, like almost mob mentality. It's way more like shadow banking than anything that you or I or grandma or even a 1920s farmer or whatever – is uses, yeah, right? We don't have access to any of that kind of shit. This is like shadow banking stuff. And it's like, you know, people forget this, but like GE back in 08, mm-hmm. like GE almost fell because it was operating as a shadow bank, like and all of that shit. Like it was making all of its money off of its financing arm and doing all of its crazy voodoo derivatives magic yeah, until yeah. whoops, you know, this, you know, caught they got caught with their pants down like everyone else and GE had to fucking call the the president directly and get bailed out right and it's like i guess the point the point about all of this is like i got really pissed seeing these you know whether it was the silicon valley people these fucking assholes or the people on tv the government on tv or the fed or whatever basically like lying to us saying this isn't a bailout when you know the cost of all of this will get passed down to us. You know what I mean? Like the fees for holding yeah. our money at regular banks will go up, whether that'll be a fee on our account or lower interest rates on our savings. Like that's how the bank will recoup these costs that yeah. they now have to bear because of these fucking assholes running a shadow bank, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's fucking bullshit. And the real green pill, if you want to talk about green pills, is there's like basically two roads here that we can take, which is either... It's like, which way post-history, man? Like, you end the Fed, which I don't think we should do. Well. Or the Fed just needs to, I mean, when you take this logic to its end, the Fed just needs to extend a a checking account and a line of credit to every single American in the country. And we have public banking. And that's it. Because what's the fucking difference? The difference is that same function is just getting fed through this private banking system, which is really just, you know, investment vultures that have been grafted on a public utility to, to, you know, like suck fees out of us for the same fucking privilege. Well, as Truanon has always said... Keep your money in cash. I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. You got to keep your money in cash. I mean, theoretically, these people were keeping their money in cash. No, keep your money in cash. 
Oh, you mean like cash? I mean cash. We need to have a vault-based society mm. where all of your goods, if you own anything that's worth over like $150, mm. it's in, encased in a room in your house, no matter how small your house is, in a room that is dedicated, vault door opening, you open it up and you can swim in your goods. Speaking of green pills, wait until we explain sometime in the future that loans create deposits. I'm going to cut you off right there, Liz. We're never going to speak of green pills again <laughs> or any kind of pills. But yeah, uh, banks, I think this is my, this is the banksters that are in charge of Washington. Mm. Uh, to me, I think there needs to be maybe a little movement against them. Uh, perhaps some sort of Occupy movement? Well, I've been, I've been scouting out locations, right? Mm. Zuccotti Park. I've been down there. Yeah. Flashing. And I'm like, this would be a great place for a motherfucking tent city and a couple maybe anonymous masks. I was going to say, you know who is in need of a new location for their city? Who? Our old friend, Black Hammer. Black Hammer. Well, Black check- Hammer x Ducati goes so hard. No, check this out. <laughs> But Black Hammer lost a major source of $500 investments from the Russian government. Yes. We need to hook them up with Saudi Arabia. Yes. So what we need to do is combine. They call this the Iron Triangle. We need to combine or the Golden Triangle, depending <laughs> on your, your view of it. We need to combine Occupy Wall Street, Zuccotti Park, Black Hammer, and a Neom-like neom development yes. funded by Saudi Arabia. A sovereign wealth fund. Sovereign wealth fund. Right there at Zuccotti Park. Oh, my God. I'm buying in. This is a libertarian dream. I'm buying in. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. already in. You know Gra- what? We're it's builders. a charter city. And here's the thing. We're builders. We're builders. We're builders. We're founders founding a city. And we're building it. And we're growing. And we're growing it. Well, <sighs> happy St. Patrick's Day. Can't believe we didn't cover that. <sighs> Fuck those people. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Liz. <laughs> Be the Irish. You know, this isn't I written. Mean, this is, we just speak this. They can hear yeah, this. I'm telling you, everyone is so fucking drunk and annoying. I don't want to deal with it. Okay, cool. Those people, the partiers, the, the revelers, get see, out of my way. See, I got places to go. Yeah. Where do you got to go? Yeah, I got to go to the pub. I got to go to, wait, how do I do an Irish accent? Oh, let's see this. What was that? What is that? <laughs> no, do it. Do it. Do it again. I got to go to the pub. No, horrible. Uh, horrible. I've got to go to the pub. Yeah, that wasn't. I've got to go to the pub. I'm Irish American. What? Do you believe in leprechauns? Yeah, I believe in leprechauns. I've seen that video, dude. You guys have seen that shit? No. What? Which guy? I want the gold. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. You guys haven't seen that? Are you fucking kidding me? No, I don't this know. This is, I, literally 100% of all of our listeners will be on my side for this. That is crazy. You guys mm-hmm. haven't seen the leprechaun video. I want the gold. you never seen that? No. you never seen that? Mm-mm. Well, insert the entirety of the audio from that clip right here. We're about to watch that after the episode is over. That is wild. Of course they believe in leprechauns. They literally have them on film. Who else in the leprechauns say yeah? Yeah! Or possibly a crackhead, as one of the one of the um, leprechaun gawkers says. My name, of course, is the top leprechaun in this entire little motherfucking Blarney Stone. Leprechauns are kind of just white goblins. Uh, Brace Belden. I'm Liz. We are, of course, joined by the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow himself, Young Chomsky. And this has been True Non. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 
Let's go show you.